and welcome to the Not a Victim podcast. Not a Victim is a show about learning to live a life without excuses. Today's guest is Dwayne Washington. All right, man, so just tell me a little bit about your background and upbringing and just like uh, the environment that you were in. Well, growing up is pretty interesting. Uh, I had a good childhood, uh, but it was a complicated childhood. You know, my mom always says, hey, look, if you, if anybody asks you how your childhood was, tell them it was great. So it wasn't a bad childhood. It's a little, it's a little complicated. Um, how so? Uh, my, of course. Well, so, of course, my name is Dwayne Washington. That wasn't the name I was born with. Um, technically speaking, I was adopted years later. Uh, my my actual father, I met him when I was, I think for the first time, about 16, somewhere around there. Oh, wow. um, but for the most part, grew up without any father at home. Mm. Um, but but even so, like I said, it wasn't a bad thing. I had a great mom, and she, she did her thing. I had a great grandfather, and she did her thing. As a matter of fact, like a lot of people ask me, hey, you know, was it tough growing up, and is that why you guys started this program for, for young boys? And it wasn't so much of that, but I, somebody was able to put two and two together years ago that when, I, when it finally hit me, and I was grown, I was a grown man, when, it, when something happened to make me realize that not having a father in some critical areas of my life did affect me yeah. um, and cause some deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing, that's about the same time when I sat and wrote out the uh, curriculum for Gentleman Society which, if you look at it, is teaching everything that you want your son to know before he's 18. Right. Uh, so the same type of thing, saying, okay, um, even though the requirement is not for you to not have a father, however, we can still step in, and if your father's not there, be able to teach you all the same things that he should have been teaching you. So, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't a bad childhood. It was, you know, pretty good. We had it was, you know, some bumps and bruises and. Uh, some things that, you know, if I told all together, it may sound like a horrible childhood, but I actually had a great time and it was fun. And I think um, most people feel feel that way. If you get into the specific bad moments, anyone's, uh, you know, childhood could be painted pretty, pretty negatively. But um, what are the things that sort of awoke in you that, you know, that there was something uh, missing without having that, you know, role in your life of a man? There is one particular defining moment when... I was sitting, I was doing this contract, I was getting ready to take over as the um, CIO for the National NAACP in Baltimore. And we were, before we did that, we were doing a contract, me and a friend of mine working on this deal, working a lot, a lot of late hours and putting together, you know, all the, the ins and outs. And we had a conversation about college and he had mentioned his father had made him apply to all of these colleges. He said, you know what, we even... Uh, he said, he even made me apply to Harvard. Hmm. He said, man, I knew I wouldn't get in, but he, his dad's like, hey, let's just take a chance. And if you get in, we'll, we'll make it happen. And I told him, I said, well, I did get accepted to Harvard. Hmm. And he was like, Dwayne, I know you went to Harvard. I said, I didn't say I went. <laughs> I said, I got accepted. <laughs> I, said, I said, unlike you, I knew I would get accepted. There was no doubt in my mind I would get accepted. But I didn't have the money to go. So, I, yeah. I mean, I was never planning on going. You know, just kind of bragging rights. He was yeah, like, yeah. Dwayne, they would have made a way. Harvard would have made a way for you to go. There's so <laughs> many different ways that you could have made that work. Right. And at that point, um, it's a very small thing, but at that point, I realized that guidance is important. Yeah. Like somebody who has walked alongside or walked before, walked this trail before to say, hey, man, let me let me help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't have to do this all alone. You don't have to be a trailblazer. Let me help you. There are some footsteps that you can walk in. 
Yeah. And so it taught me that you don't have to be a trailblazer in every area of your life. Uh, and at that point, you know, it taught me to start going and getting mentors and the whole lot. But it did make me realize the deficiency. And then as I got older and had kids, I've got four myself. Mm. As I got older and had kids, um, more and more started happening. I started doing things with my children um, that, you know, were never done with me. Right. You know, I remember, like right now, I'm actually, my, my now 17-year-old, she's my baby girl, mm. uh, is driving me as we're speaking. And for her seventh birthday, she told everybody she was going to Disney World. Mind you, she didn't tell me. She just was telling everybody else <laughs> yeah. that that's where she's going. And um, so needless to say, we ended up at Disney World for her seventh birthday. And but and it was great. It was magical. I was there. Um, my my oldest daughter was there. My wife was there. My young my at the time my youngest boy was there, and I had one more uh, bun in the oven while we were there. <laughs> and so it was a magical moment. You know, it's like the at the end of the day we're watching the fireworks and you know just like the commercial. She leans over and says, "Dad, I love you." It was great. It was great. It's magical moment. And and the magic was interrupted just just a just for a fraction of a moment, and I thought to myself, this is the first time I've been to Disney World. Yeah. I will never get the moment she has. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'll never get that. And, and as I walked around Disney World, and if you, if you get a chance, do this. As you walk around Disney World, you'll find that there is one thing that is prevalent in almost every family you see is a daddy. Mm. <laughs> You'll see a lot of daddies at Disney World. Yeah. Um, a whole lot of daddies. Somebody's got to pay for all that. But you see a lot of daddies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know? super expensive. I've actually never been myself, but I feel like at the end of the day, it wasn't necessarily about the place. It was about, uh, you know, what that stood for. You know, it stood for your right. level of stability in her life that, you, you know, that you created for her, uh, you know, or, right. you that, or that you and your wife created for her. Um, it, 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 was more, it was more of, Here's a dream right. that we can make come happen, come, yeah. make come true. Yeah. Like I never thought about somebody else being able to help a dream come true. As simple as that sounds. Right. That had never occurred to me that that's even possible. Right. When did you um when did you come to faith? Oh, that's interesting because I I was uh I didn't grow up in church right. at all. Um I started going to church when I was a little older, maybe 17, 18 years old, and I went there because originally someone from a, a teacher from my school had asked me to come play at their musical, um, and I did that, and I ended up staying at that church and attending that church. Um, that church bought me a Bible. I read that Bible. It was great. Uh, unfortunately, that church kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So if you, ever, if you ever wonder if you can get kicked out of church, you can get kicked out of church. They said I didn't dress right. I didn't dress good enough. And that must so be a pretty old school church, it. yeah. It was old school. They say, hey— you know, you you wear tennis shoes. We can't we can't do that. And so they stopped me at the door. And then um, I hadn't I hadn't planned on going back. Now here's something that a lot of people don't realize, um, especially if you grew up in church. Um, if you grew up in church, you don't realize that people who don't grow up in church feel as though they're not good enough to go to church. Right. And it takes a lot to get those folks to church. And so when I didn't grow up in church, and then I get kicked out of a church, that's really confirmation yeah. that God is saying. You're really not good enough to be here. <laughs> yeah. you know I'm saying this is this is not the spot for you. Right. And so um, by the grace of God and a, and a long story, I ended up back in a church that I ended up spending uh, 21 years at this other church mm. and ended up becoming becoming a youth pastor there and eventually an associate pastor and then uh, moved on. And now I'm a senior pastor of my own church, the Love Church in Fort Worth. Wow. 
Um, this is a question I ask every time, and it is, was there ever a season of your life that you felt like you would never get out of? And I ask this because about eight years ago, I went through uh, this, like, really sort of heavy breakup, and I started sort of experiencing depression uh, for a few months afterwards, and then sort of became uh, kind of suicidal. And through that experience, I met God in a like more authentic way than I ever had before because I felt like I physically needed him to stay alive. And that experience led to the sweetest moments I've ever had with God. But um, but I asked that because during that time, during those two months, I felt like, uh, I'll, you know, I don't know that I'll ever leave here. I may, I feel like I might always feel this way. And, you know, the devil was certainly sort of impressing that on my mind, that this level of dread, this level of sadness, like this will stay with you forever. And that was not the case. Uh, you know, I've never been back to that place since, uh, you know, I had that encounter with God all those years ago. But have you ever had that kind of experience? Anything that you felt like, this, I'll never leave this? Yeah, so last year, actually. Mm. Um, which is interesting because, like, you, I, I've been through so much and nothing, nothing has really, I mean, I've been homeless. Mm. Uh, I've been through everything and, like, nothing has really phased me the way you think things would phase me. You know, once again, if I was to explain to you my childhood, you you would think, oh, man, that's that's a horrible childhood. Man, it was great. I'm telling you, it was great. And But last year, um, and I really hadn't talked to anybody about it, quite honestly, but um, the, la- la- the last year of my life has been um, uh, my when I was 42 was, quite honestly, the hardest year of my entire life. Uh, and, and it's something that no one else even knew, nobody in my entire life knew. And, and so um, when you get to – and you look at things and say, hey, is this going to change or this may never change or this may always be this way, uh, especially when you hit that age, you're like, Some, this may never change. Right. Um, and like you said, that's just not the case. Um, sometimes no matter who – and this is an important thing, no matter who you are. You know, if you if you were to meet me on the street, or if you were to know me, some of my best friends know me for you know thirty. I've got friends that I've known for thirty nine years. Um, you could have been the closest person to me, mm. and not known any of the. You know, hey, he's a happy guy. It's great. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, uh, before this, I, I would actually talk about the fact that men don't really talk. Yeah. And so like your your best friend could be going through a divorce and you won't know until you get a call to to move the furniture, right? <laughs> or, or he needs a place to live. And ironically, as I was saying that, I was in a in a band rehearsal with a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and I was trying to make a point. You know, I had been married for 22 years, and um, I was making a point to a guy who was, uh, you know, just about to get married. And I had asked him how long he's been married, and he was like, "Dude, I'm divorced." Hmm. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, he's like, no, we talked about this. I'm like, no, no, we didn't talk about this. And so come to find out he had been divorced for like 14 months. Wow. And I had no idea that they were even going through anything. And so um, no matter who you are, no matter what stage in life you are, um, you're, not, you're, you're not immune. Yeah. Uh, it's, the enemy doesn't leave you alone because you've hit a certain certain status like right he, he hit he, he hit Jesus up like you're not special yeah <laughs> yeah you know? um but but at the same time I mean just know that there is a way out like there's a way of escape there's what, a way out and what was the thing that made you feel that way and you don't I'm not trying to get you in hot water I'll just kick myself if I don't ask <laughs> so just yeah. as vague as you want to be so as vague as I want to be um <laughs> so 
and I'll, I'm going to be very vague. Right? <laughs> so people, people used to tell me stuff, you know, and they say, oh, you're going to feel like this when you get to this age. You're going to feel mm. like this when you get to that age. And none of that's come true in my life. Mm. Um, and, but there are, there's one thing that somebody says, hey, you know, when you hit 40, there's some, there's some things that's, that's going to change in your mentality, mm. right? Um, and I hit 40, and it didn't happen. Right. Um, when I hit 42, mm. you know, when you looked at what are the things that are going right, what are the things that are going wrong, what are the things that you want better, and, and you realize, well, the, the enemy will try to illuminate um, that, you know, you could have lived half of your life. Mm. You know, um, I look at, you know, my bishop, and he he would continually let us know, and this didn't, this is one of those things that plays in the back of your mind when you don't realize. Um, all of his mentors died at 60, mm. every single one of them. And so now he's about 63, 64, and it's a weird feeling for him because he has no, um, he doesn't have a blueprint for that, mm. right? Um, I remember that, you know, for whatever reason, um, I thought I was going to die at 25. Wow. You know, every statistic without out there is like, ah, you won't make it 25. And so if you look at all the things I did prior to 25, it's monumental. And part of it is because I didn't think I lived that long. Um, and, and, but it, it plays subconsciously. Mm. Um, whereas there's some things that just hit me at 42 that made me realize, hey, um, all things hit at once. You know, I looked at the fact that uh, on my father's side, I am the patriarch. Like I'm the mm. oldest living male. Like there, there is no father, there's no grandfather, there's no great, there's no one to point to, mm. right? I, I don't even know if I have an uncle. I, I, I don't actually. I, think I only have an uncle <laughs> on that on, on my father's side. Mm. Um, and then you know, culminated with a lot of other things. You're like, is this going to be like this? Mm. Uh, and there were some things happening, beginning to happen in my life that I didn't like. I'm like, I don't like that. You know, is that always going to be like this? Is this always going to be like this? And Right. And something sets in that says, possibly. Mm. And, and then you're like, do I want do I want to continue, you know, in this? Is that is that really what I want? Um, and it's a you know it's it's a, it's a head game, and and um, you got to just stay in the word and remember what God said about you. And um, to be honest with you, this is the funny thing. You remember the Kentucky Fried Chicken Man, and remember. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. You know, you don't have yeah. any young pictures of Colonel Sanders, right? Because um, he didn't start telling selling chicken until he was a senior citizen. So. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, um, I think the guy who you know uh, started McDonald's was the same way. And it's that thing where I I can you know I can't imagine that sort of psychological uh, experience of of just going through the different seasons. But on the other hand, the things that make life meaningful. The things that will live after you die, you know, they have no, they're not tied to whether you're, you know, young and sexy or whatever, you know, the things that mean something will always mean something regardless of how old you are. And uh, certainly being a person of faith lends itself to some level of peace because, again, the things we believe have no bearing on whether we live or die. They're not really about us. They're about, you know, a much bigger uh, picture. Um, And and what I want to encourage your audience for is that at no point. Um, are you too old to start something? Right. You know, because the world will try to tell you something. I, mm. I, I left corporate America six weeks prior to my 43rd birthday mm. and, um, and and stepped out and left, you know, a very lucrative corporate job. Mm. 
um, and a very lucrative corporate career to to do gentleman society and to start my own company. And so, and and it's been thriving ever since. And people will say that um, you can't take a risk because of this or because of that. Well, mm. you know, I'm the only breadwinner in my family, and I've got four children. Mm. You know, so um, as far as the excuses, you know, you can make a lot of excuses. Um, but you know, you can either make things happen, you can make change, you can make excuses, but you can't do all three. So um, we've talked about it a little bit, but explain what the Gentleman's Society is, and uh, you know, your sort of impetus for starting it. Well, the Gentleman's Society is pretty simple. It's an organization that takes young men between the ages of eight and eighteen, and we systematically train them how to become gentlemen. Mm -hmm. So they'll go through twenty-three different courses, everything from speech and communication anger management, behavior modification, even how to treat a lady, entrepreneurship, um, how to pick a college, dressing for the occasion, learning the difference between black tie, white tie, business, business casual, even uh, fine dining courses. So pretty much everything you want to teach your son before he's 18. Mm. Um, and, and we do that everywhere. So now we've trained um, in about 23 states and nine countries across the world. Wow. And um, and we're trying to step that up. You, you mentioned that um, Earlier, I don't know if we were on the call yet or not, but you mentioned that you've seen us on uh, Stepping Up yeah, um, yeah. with uh, Dennis Rainey and Family Life and those guys. So I, I couldn't remember the name. I was like, hey, there was a tree and the guy from the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so so check this out. So like the guy from the so I didn't know the guy from the radio. Right. Okay. So the guy from the radio calls me up, I don't know, eight years ago or so, and says, how can we help? And I'm like, I usually don't get this call, but where where are you? We're in we're in um, we're in Arkansas. Okay, cool. Introduce me to a couple of uh, a couple of uh, principals or something. And they start laughing. They were like, "You obviously have no idea who we are." And I'm like, "No, nah, <laughs> oh, no." Wait, they wait. Were like, so you were trying to you were trying to pretend you knew up until that point? No, I had no idea. I wasn't trying to pretend at all. I had oh. no idea who they were. You know, and uh, it's like you just you don't know who we are. I'm like, "No, nah, I have no idea." I mean, they called me out of the blue, literally out of the blue, and. Um, and so they were like, well, we can do that, and we can also, we got this radio show. We can have you on the radio. So I'm like, okay, fine. I should have known something was different when they flew me into the radio show, wow. right? So they fly me in. I'm standing there. You know, um, I meet with uh, Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine. We hit it off great. We're still friends to this day. Um, matter of fact, Dennis is the reason I left my job. He said, hey, look, you can be a great computer guy, or you can go change the world. Like, which one do you want to do? Mm. I'm like, okay, Dennis, you don't have to say it like that, dude. <laughs> He could have he said it differently. He was like, if you want somebody, you, he said he said in these words, if you wanted to talk to somebody to tell you how great you were, you made the wrong phone call. I'm here to <laughs> I'm, I'm here to pull the greatness out of you. So I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. I'm quitting. So um, so I still didn't realize who these people really were. I just knew here's some cool guys. They know the Bible. I'm digging this, you know. Yeah. And um, as a matter of fact, we almost forgot to go do the radio show. We were just talking so much. So we went in. <laughs> Um, we did the radio. It was great. Um, and, you know, they taped it, right? So we did a two-day thing, but we taped it all in one day and flew back to Texas. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, December 19th of, I believe it's 20, maybe 2011 or 2010, one of them. But December 19th, it was, I believe it was a Monday, it played. And I didn't know it played. The reason I knew it played, uh, I found out it played is that I looked at my phone. We had a donation from somebody in Michigan or something, and I'm like, we don't know anybody in Michigan. We don't have any sites in Michigan. What's that? And then the phone, the man, the flood came. Hey, this is so-and-so. I just heard you on Family Life. I'm in Florida. This is so-and-so in Georgia. I just heard you on Family Life. This is so-and-so in, in New York and in 
uh, Chicago and in Washington D.C. and in Seattle and and in Canada and New mm. Zealand and wow. all over the world. And it dawned on me that it he didn't ask anybody to call till day two. These are people who just went and found me. Wow. And uh, so, like, you know, we went and got an 800 number that day so we could be ready for the next day. And so, um, so it was and, – and now, you know, we're in, uh, in the middle of the Stepping Up program, which is great, you know, because um, that, that's what helped us get international notoriety right there. What would you say to someone who is in between their old self and the version of them that they want to create – where they don't necessarily fit in with either group because if they stay with the old group of people, they won't move forward and they don't know who the new, you know, uh, encouraging people are yet. I will say that you'll always be there. Hmm. You, you will always be in that state. Um, so I, I looked at myself and um, it was interesting. I was doing a transition and I found myself asking a question. I was sitting in Belize, um, staying at a mansion on the beach. Um, I had um, around me, we had, you know, private chefs, and I had all the resort owners around me. They're from the, some of the biggest resorts in the country. We're all doing dinner together. And I had a moment, like, how did I get here? Mm. <laughs> like, how, you know. <laughs> I was um, going to say, that's certainly something I've never experienced. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been, I've, I've been in, you know, on yachts across the world. I mean, you, you name it, I keep having these. How did I get here moments? Mm-hmm. So for our youth organization, as we're going, um, our new goal is to effectively reach one million lives mm-hmm. per week. And um, for that, we need a we need a system. You know, of course, I come from the IT world mm-hmm. and there's a particular system that I wanted. But I knew our organization would not be able to afford it. And thankfully, I was one of the only people in the world who had implemented it yet. So I called up a friend of mine who headed up the company who developed it, and this is a billionaire, mm. and just just asked him straight out, hey, can you just you know do- donate this to us free, um, and we'll talk about it, you know? And he was like, sure, let's just let's let's make it happen, Dwayne, no problem. Mm. Um, and so and then we did the deal, and it was great. And so we're in the middle of implementing it now. But after the fact, you know, I sat down and thought about the fact that I, I just I just called up a billionaire. Like what, when did when did I get the ability? You know, this is a young guy from the hood. Like, yeah. I like what, I I remember I was watching a movie. Uh, I think it was like uh, Casino Royale or something like a James Bond movie, and they showed a um, they showed a yacht. And I made everybody stop the movie. I said, "Stop! I've been on that yacht like that. <laughs> I can tell you what it looks like. Like there's a sliding door in front of them, and the whole, I mean, I'm like I've been on it. Then once again, you have the how did I get here moments, and so. You're always going to be where you are trying to get to the next level and trying to find out. Like so now um, I'm surrounding myself with people who are who are um, like the Dennis Rainings of the world who can build world class organizations. Um, And so but you just got to go for it. So like I remember watching a TED talk the other day and I'm watching a guy who used to be an NFL star. And now he's like this expert fundraiser across the world. Mm. And I'm like, I got to find him. And it took, you know, it usually doesn't take me too long, but it took me about two hours. I, I tracked down every job he had until I got him on the phone. Mm. And I'm like, you're going to be my next mentor, dealing with helping me to raise money. He said, can you send me some organ- information about your, your organization? I said, I sure can. But I need you to understand, like, you don't have a choice. Like, <laughs> I, I, I will fly to Oregon and be on your doorstep because at the end of the day, um, this, this is what's standing between um, – some kid's life, like changing their entire family tree, like mm-hmm. you're standing right there. And so best believe nothing is going to stop me from being able to get a hold of you. And, and even though I didn't know him before, 
um, you know, you got to go, you got to go after that. So I think you'll always be in the situation where you're climbing a ladder, you know, um, as Dennis Rainey was, you know, basically uh, uh, ripping me a new one saying what I need to do and, and do better with gentlemen's society. <laughs> I, we were 23 states and nine countries. He goes, yeah, that's pitiful. You got to do better. You got to do better than that. <laughs> Did, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but even at that point, like he was like, Dwayne, I'm in a situation right now where I'm getting ready to go to the next level. And now I understand it because of, of the transition he's making with family life. Mm-hmm. But but he was like, man, I, I'm not telling you anything that I'm not doing. And so and at the time, I'm thinking, what could you pop, like what else is left for you to do? Like you, you, yeah. you know, some people, um, some people have great mentors. Some people are great mentors. Some people make great mentors. Some, some people are patriarchs and some people like Dennis create patriarchs. Mm. Like, so I'm like, what, where is there for you to go? And, and he's still like, Hey, there's another rung on this ladder. I got to get up. And so, um, I would say become comfortable in being uncomfortable mm. because it, I think the, the first step is the hardest step. Um, you know, the first time I reached out to somebody that I didn't know to kind of get them on a team to convince them that may have been difficult. Um, but now it's like, I mean, I don't really care who it is. If I need, like right now, I need to contact Richard Branson for some things, mm. right? And I'm going to find him and I'm going to track him down because I just want to get him on tape talking to our young men about entrepreneurship, mm. right? Because I want to be able to show that tape to our young men. So I'll find him. Wow. I'll find him. And, and, and but to make the call to him, is easier than making the call to whoever the first person I made a call to 15 years ago. Right. Um, so I would say become comfortable in being uncomfortable, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Were there times in your life where you had to separate yourself from people that were sort of uh, keeping you in a, in a negative place? Yeah, so, so there's a couple of things um, I'll tell you. So um, I remember when I was very, very young, um, I had, had a company, I think I was maybe 18, 19, and I had to fire both of my best friends, mm. you know, um, and that was a hard conversation, um, but it got easier very quick because they were like, well, man, we really only do this so we can spend some time with you. And I'm like, dude, that's not a reason to be in the company. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I need you working. I don't need you like, and there's a couple of things that have happened to me. Um, some are purposely, like I've had to cut some people, um, because it just, you know, when, when all of your misery is coming from this one person or whatever, you, you realize it's not worth it. No matter how talented they are, or mm-hmm. no matter how whatever they are, it's not worth it. Um, and sometimes it takes you a long time to come to that conclusion. Sometimes God does that for you. Um, I remember in Gentleman Society years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, my entire staff quit. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Um, they were like, we don't believe it's ever going to go anywhere. Da, 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 we don't. Da, da. They just didn't believe it. And they all quit. Wow. Um one after another. And then literally a month later, we got our first deal with schools. And then we got our first deal that same, like literally the same time we got our first grant. And then, um, three months later is when, um, the family life thing hit. So it was, it was crazy. Wow. You know, um, we got the call three months. Now. We didn't do it till the next year, but we got that call three months from then. So it, it's just ironic how God will say, Hey, I've got you, you know, um, uh, no matter what, but at the same time, sometimes you need to move those people out of your circle. Nowadays, I don't really have that issue. Uh, when I look around my circle, it you know God has gravitated the people to me that think like me, that do you know. Mm-hmm. I've got a good friend of mine that um, he's he's my client. He and he is my mentor and he is my friend. We helped start his company. Um, we you know been doing business together, and um, they they're going public either this month or 
uh, or next month. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because when uh, I talked to him not too long ago about what his goals were, and and his goal now times 14, um, but his goal for his life was the exact same goal for my life. Mm. And we had never talked about it before. And so you'll find that once you reach a certain level of thinking that you'll start gravitating towards, and other people who, who have that same level of thinking start gravitating towards you. Mm. So because, you know, some conversations, we, we're not going to have a conversation of, hey, who has the best weed? <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have a conversation of, hey man, did you did you pick up this scripture? Yeah. Um, we're not gonna have a conversation of, hey, where's the best bar to go to? Because mm. none of us have ever had a drink in our lives. Right. You know. That's and such so, an important point. I had two young men, about uh, seventeen years old, probably, ask me the other day, a couple months ago. They said, hey, do you think uh, weed should be legalized? And I said. I mean, I guess I could answer that question, but that's the wrong question. That's like asking, how do I get the right. phone number for the ugliest girl in school? You can get it, but, like, is that really what you <laughs> want? It worth it. Right. We shouldn't be shooting for... <laughs> At the end of the day. Yeah. It's this thing that some young people feel that I should be maximizing my comfort level, and so I should do anything to feel comfortable rather than, you know, where can I max potential in my in my life and with the tools I have. You know, I, I would I would say this, and I'm getting ready to write a new book. It's called Enjoy the Journey hmm. uh, because the destination isn't always what you thought it would, would hmm. be. Um, and I've learned in my life, I, I've, I've hit some really cool plateaus, you know. Um, I remember sitting at the Grammys one year, um, and I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm watching the Grammys at the Grammys from a different perspective because I was on the Grammy board. I helped choose these Grammys. And I'm like, man, this is a cool moment. Hmm. Um, and I, I've had so many of those moments in my life. And, you know, it's kind of like I tell people winning a Grammy um, is is the coolest 10 seconds before you win it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I've got every almost every one of my homeboys with Grammys, like, they're, like, put up in storage somewhere. <laughs> like, they're not. They're not. And, and so um, it, it, it is, if you sit down and watch and I hate to generalize, but just in, but I'm going to generalize for a moment. Mm -hmm. If you sit down and take a young person like uh, my daughter or, or uh, mm -hmm. somebody, and you you get them, put them in front of a YouTube video that's maybe two minutes long, they will sit and fast forward that thing seven times. <laughs> you know? I'm like, it's only two minutes. <laughs> you know, it's only two minutes. So just watch the two minutes. Enjoy this journey. Yeah. Enjoy the silence. Like it's not all about I got to get to the destination. I got to get there. And I think a lot of times nowadays that um, crime is a result of people not uh, wanting to go through the journey. Hmm. Um, dr drug use is a result of people not wanting to go to the journey. Go hmm. through the journey. Um, failed marriages are a result of people not wanting to go through the journey. Hmm. Um, so all of these things that people not wanting to put in the time and the effort um, to to get through something, hmm. whatever that is. You know, I, I was homeless in the streets of New York, and people, you know, don't, don't feel bad for me because I had a great time. Even though at one time I looked at a homeless dude, and he's an old homeless dude, and I said, there's only one difference between me and you. I know I'm not going to be in this situation long. Mm. And, and it gave me a heart for homeless people. But I also wrote a movie about the whole experience while I was going through it. Wow. You know, called it What's Next because I'm like, I can't, you know, man, what what's next? Would something happen and something else happen? And then who would know? that over 20 years later, I would own a film company. Wow. And so now I'm able to go and produce that film. Wow. You know, and so I thank God for all the things that I've been through, all the trials that I've been through. Um, I, I, don't, I don't believe in failure. 
Um, failure only exists if you quit. If you don't quit, it's not failure. It's just a learning experience. Hmm. You know, we, we talk all the time about Edison, um, you know, failing, quote unquote, 10,000 times before he got the light bulb right. Well, he didn't fail 10,000 times. He just found out 10,000 ways to not create a light bulb. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do this. Well, thank you so much for your time. Where can people go to learn more about the Gentleman's Society and to donate and all that stuff? I want them to go to gentlemensociety.org. That's plural possessive. I'm going to spell that out for you. G-E-N-T-L-E-M-E-N-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y.org. Gentlemensociety.org. Two S's in the middle. You can go there. You can get involved. You can give your talents. You can give uh, your your time. You can give your treasures. You can de- definitely do that. As we get ready to, as we implement this plan to reach a million lives per week, we need mm-hmm. all types of help. So whether you're able to give money, give time, or or give your talents, uh, we'll be able to utilize that. Also, you can give us a call directly. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to do something I normally don't do. Um, for your listeners, I want them to call me directly. I don't even want you to call an 800 number. I'm giving you my personal cell phone number. It's 817-500-3492. I want to hear from you directly. 817-500-3492. Grab the pen. Write that down. 817-500-3492. That's my personal line. I'll answer that. Um, when you give us a call, I want to talk to you personally and see how you can get involved with changing a family tree. If you don't know how, i got a lot of people call me and say, you know, I don't know how to get started. Don't worry. We have a place for you. All you need to have is a heart. We got you from there. Mm. Thank you so much for your time, man. This was incredible. Man, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, can't wait till the next one. All right.